Las Vegas, famous, fabulous playground of the West. A wide open town that never goes to sleep. Vegas! Vegas, baby, Vegas! You're either in or you're out. Right now. My best mates are going to Las Vegas this weekend. I'm told it's incredible. Las Vegas, here we go! <laughs> Pack your bags and get ready. You're going to Vegas with people who know Vegas. You're listening to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi. Welcome to Vegas. Do you find yourself listening to music from a different era? and wishing you could hear some new music from that same old genre? Well, if you'd like to hear some new funk with the sound of horns wailing, you know, think back Tower of Power, Chicago, James Brown, then we've got some good news for you. That sound is back with fresh new songs, and it's right here in Vegas. The group is the Soul Juice Band, and today you'll meet the lead vocalist and founder, Dave Tatlock. Also on today's show, Mr. Big is back with another episode of Vegas Crime Blotter. Football expert Upton Bell is here to make this week's NFL picks. And finally, your Vegas insider, Scott Robin of VitalVegas.com, is here talking about how Vegas is presented on TV and on film. Who gets it right and who doesn't? Scott will opine. But now, time to release the horns. If you're like me, you love music that reminds you of those great, great groups from the 50s, 60s, 70s that had horns. I mean, it was just some great stuff like Blood, Sweat, and Tears. I love Tower of Power, all those groups. We have got a group like that, and they're headed out of Las Vegas, but they're going to take over the country here. It's called the Soul Juice Band, and they got a new album coming out next year, but they got a couple of singles out now. And with us is the lead vocalist. Dave Tatlock. Well, Dave, really excited about this. First of all, I imagine you've been hearing from a lot of people like the Tower Power stuff, like uh, some of those uh, things that they grew up with, because bringing horns into the band is kind of cool. Yeah, when we started the band, I just, I've always been really influenced by Soul and James Brown and Sly and the Family Stone, and there were always always these horn lines that kind of get imprinted in your mind. When you're listening to these music, with this music, and so when I started this idea of this funk and soul band and this band I'd, I'd had in my mind for a while, it just I just had to have some horns in it. But in today's music scene, everybody I talked to said, "You can't have a bunch of horns in your band. You'll never make any money. What are you doing?" And uh, through a lot of different circumstances, we ended up with five horn players in the band. So we got two trumpets a trombone, a tenor sax, and then we added a berry sax, and we write all our charts for those five parts. And, and the problem is when you do this stuff live and you hear it, and I'm the band leader, I'm like, 
I can't not have these horns on these songs. It sounds so amazing. There are times I'm performing that the stage volume, I hear all those five horns and all the other instruments, and it's just kind of a magical thing to hear this mix of sound. And once you hear that, you can't go back. You can't, like, once you have those horns on things, you can't get rid of them. You can't go away from it. So it just adds so much. It's such a wall of sound when we perform live that I've just always liked horns. I thought I'd have a couple horns that ended up being five, and but that sound is so big and large, and there's so much going on that you can't ever go back to not having it. So. Well, if anybody went to the House of Blues over in the Mandalay Bay before all this pandemic stuff, you were playing there a lot. We were playing there twice a month. We kind of had a residency there for two years. We threw a show called The Get Down uh, for Child Haven because we're kind of partnered with the Clark County foster care system, and we would collect items, uh, clothes, games, toys, and uh, we would take them and drop those off every month to Child Haven, which is a, a temporary facility for foster children that don't have a foster home. They stay there on the campus. And, and so we, we made a night out of it, a place that people could just go and groove and dance. Really, that's kind of our music is just, it's really about groove. It's about, man, I can't sit here and listen. I kind of got to get up and move. And so, you know, in Vegas, you have to play cover music too. You, you, it's real hard to get away with doing all original music. You got to play some cover music in most of the venues too. So we kind of combine our original music with great covers. Um, and we put horns on a lot of covers that don't have no. horns on them. So like, like when we do car wash or we do Prince baby, I'm a star or something, we have five horns on those songs and, and people end up, they kind of like, our version even better than the original because they hear the horn parts and they're like, this stuff's amazing. Like, well, you guys record this? I'm like, no, we, we've never recorded that cover yet or whatever. What I think's even funnier is some of the cover songs we do, and you know this because you listen to Tower Power and you were probably listening to music in the 70s and stuff. Mm-hmm. We'll throw in a Wayne Cochran song or we'll throw in a Meter song or we'll throw in uh, Edgar Winter song. And oh, people yeah. are like, man, that original was amazing. And we're <laughs> like, uh, that's a cover song. You just haven't heard it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, there's some great stuff. And I'm I'm so excited about this because I think this is just takes music to a whole nother level. We've been looking for some of that. I mean, a lot of stuff you hear and it's basically all compressed music. And, uh, you, you know, it all kind of sounds the same. And it's just so great to hear that sound again. The wall of sound, like you mentioned there, that's got to be great, not only for people that, like myself, that kind of grew up with some of that, but I'm thinking it's got to be great for uh, people that haven't heard it before. It's, you know, it's like seeing a symphony for your first time. <laughs> there are sometimes we do shows, like I think specifically at Container Park, uh, we'll be on the stage there, and there'll be two-year-old kids there, and they'll be dancing the whole time we play, and they haven't been exposed to a lot of this sound, you know, seven-year-old, nine-year-old, 12-year-old, 18-year-old, 24-year-old, you know, they're like, wow, they're just, you know, they kind of watch like, and are trying to take in, like, I haven't heard all these instruments before in any music. I'm not used to this. We find we get, we really find that people of all age groups enjoy the music because the, the people that are younger, that didn't grow up on it, they haven't really heard it live and they don't know what it sounds like. And there's so many new sounds and so much rich, complex 
melodies, and there's a lot of musicianship. You know, we have a lot of people who are really good on their instruments, and we value musicianship. But then people like you say, like you, or other people that listen to Tower of Power, Sly and the Family Stone, or Chicago, they're like, oh, yeah, you know, like, this has hit me in some place that I haven't been hit for a little while. And the fact that we're a new band and we're creating new music, you know, the thing I think is different about us is we're not really a horn band. We're a band with horns. Right. We're a songwriting band. And it's all, so I grew up listening to the Eagles. And if you listen to the Eagles and other, you know, songwriting is so important. So we really focus on writing a great song and then melding all the pieces to the song, including the horn. So, um, you know, that's really what we're focused on is being a really great songwriting band. And we use our, our voices to bring out the message of the song. And so that I think that's what, why we're not a horn band, per se. We're a band with horns, you know, but we're really a songwriting band. Back with more from the lead singer of the Soul Juice Band, David Tatlock, in a moment. Just a reminder, please visit Vegas Never Sleeps online. For the best in Vegas, it's always VegasNeverSleeps.com. And for great sports, it's Sports R-A-C-X, which is available on radio stations nationwide and wherever you listen to podcasts. That's Sports R-A-C-X, short for Sports Rock and Tours. And later today on Sports Rock and Tours, you'll meet one of America's greatest sports writers, Tom Callahan. You're listening to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi, coast to coast on the Talk Media Network. Do you need to sell your home? If you've sold a home before, you remember how stressful and expensive it was. Sold.com is here to help you sell your home for the most money and with the least amount of stress. There are new ways to sell your home that you've never heard of before. Did you know there are companies who will offer you cash for your home? Did you know you could trade in your home for a new one? Did you know there are realtors who will sell your home for a flat fee instead of an expensive commission? It's true. Sold.com services are free. So if you're looking to sell, make this free phone call right now and learn how your next home sale can be faster and easier than you ever thought possible. Pick up your cell phone and call right now. 800-948-6826. Again, that's 800-948-6826. Okay, Sean, we need to talk about our training budget. We're spending almost $1,500 per employee each year. What's the plan? Well, ma'am, 42% of companies are saying that e-learning has led to an increase in revenue. What does that do about the travel expense? E-learning allows employees to learn wherever they are. Then we need to consider the time away from production. I heard that e-learning takes up to 60% less employee time than traditional classroom training. Perfect. Let's find a curriculum company, a development company, a learning management software company. Actually, Epsilon XR specializes in end-to-end learning solutions with tools such as instructor-led training, online classrooms, simulations, virtual and augmented reality, and curriculum development. Get Epsilon XR on the phone. Epsilon XR creates immersive learning environments that engage with your learner, resulting in improved information retention, which leads to better performance and ultimately an increase in revenue. Learn more at elearning.epsilonxr.com. 
Now, let's return to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi. You are listening to David Tatlock of the Soul Juice Band, who have been described as blazing soul, funk, and rock with a wall of horns. Sometimes I- Well, I also think people that sell heavy-duty musical equipment are going to love this because, you know, you listen to this, and I got an advanced listen to the album that's going to be coming out, and I loved it, and mm-hmm. I thought to myself, well, this is too good for just on my phone here. we got to hook it up because this is one of those that reminds me where if yeah. you really enjoy it, you got to sit in the middle of the room and have the speakers blasting at you. Yeah, it's really, and to be honest, when we mixed and mastered the album, we were just really struggling because the way we want to master it and mix it, we want it to feel like a live show. Well, the live show is really heavy. It's got a lot of energy in it. And today's modern ways that people listen to music, either on their phone or an AirPod, it can't handle a lot of those frequencies. It's just too much for those speaker designs and stuff. So we actually, we had to kind of thin it out a little bit to just make it work across many different ways that people listen to music but the way to listen to this music is like you're saying it you want to listen to it through some good speakers because there's there's a lot of frequencies in the music it's it's very dense music that's all i can say is it's like once you listen to the whole album it's like you need a break you got to go outside and (laughs) and take a breath because you're really getting beat up and assaulted by frequencies there's a lot of frequencies in the music and so it's heavy you know it's really heavy stuff you know, last year we had Jeffrey Osborne on, and he said that was so frustrating to put an album together because you're so limited now because, of you, as you said, the way we listen to music has changed. And it's that's why we want to go out and see you live, too. But, you know, before yeah. we, we're going to get into all that stuff, and I want to talk more about the album, but i got to ask you, so this is obviously different. We don't see a lot of these groups. Kind of give us a story. How did this ever come to be? I mean, I know you like this music, but what's your story? I'll try to put it in a in a short form. So I grew up in the country in southern Indiana, and I, all I listened to was Willie Nelson and Waylon Jennings, and my dad would drink Paps Blue Ribbon while we listened to that stuff, and I thought that's all there was. Until I was about 15, my brother went to college, and he brought home a record called Parliament. <laughs> and I listened to that record, then I got exposed to B.B. King and James Brown, and then when I went to college, I actually sang in the Black Gospel Choir at Purdue, so I just got exposed to soul, funk music, and that soul music, you know, just the stuff that just had a lot of stank on it, really just the minor pentatonic scale. I just got so infatuated with that. I loved that music and that expression. And then when my older brother, so I played in some blues bands and stuff like that um, here and there, but I was raising my family. I was working as a medical professional. And then my older brother passed away in 2015, and I was packing up his boxes and stuff. He passed away unexpectedly. And while I was there, I was like, man, one day somebody's going to pack up all my boxes and everything. And I was like, what haven't I done in my life that I need to do in my life before I'm out of here? You know, one thing was this band, this idea of this band that's been in my head, and I'd never really put uh, any action forward on it. And I said, man, i got to start my band. And then I came back home. I was a high school teacher. 
And a couple months later, I'm buying a ukulele for my daughter at Guitar Center, and the guy messing around on it, selling me the ukulele, I just looked at him and I said, hey, man, you want to be in my band? And I, I thought to myself, why did I just ask him to be in my band? I don't have a band yet. More with the lead singer of the Soul Juice Band, David Tatlock, in a moment. But now it's time to open up the Vegas crime blotter. Continuing on our conversation from last week about Tony Carnero. Yes, sir. Tony is quite the man. Quite the man. The Admiral is, in fact, one of my heroes. Because he goes through all kinds of hell to bring gambling to people who want to be gamblers. No doubt about that. So when we last left Tony, he was, he was done at the SS Rex Club in Vegas. He was back to Beverly Hills. He got an offer to do gambling in the country of Mexico. Mexico invited him, in fact, to come there and run his gambling there. They wanted the money. They wanted the entertainment. They wanted the taxes. But sadly, that would not be because one day Tony went to the door, as people do. People come to visit you, right? He opened the door to answer it, and long and behold, somebody put four bullets in him. He was not expected to live. Yeah, four bullets on you would kind of slow you down, but he was able to recover. And long and behold, he thought he would come up with the idea of doing a hotel casino inside of Vegas, something called the Stardust Hotel in the 1950s, which is really, really interesting. The Stardust Hotel is he would start a stock company. He would fund it by the sales of stocks, so people willing to buy it. But unfortunately, Tony never went to business school. He didn't know that you had to have underwriters, a lot of corporations, you know, all the paperwork necessary to run a hotel, to run a stock family, to get this done. So I would say that many people who invested in the Stardust never saw their money. In fact, their sacks were seized by the federal government because Tony was not doing it correctly. It happens. Life goes on. Sadly, life would not go on long for Tony. Tony went drinking one day with our good friend, Mo Dillitz. He went to Mo Dillitz's club, and he was having a nice time. He was playing craps. In fact, long and behold, he is playing craps, and he's drinking at the bar a mixed drink of some sort. I've heard it was so-and-so. And long and behold, he was given a bill for $25 for his drinks, and he would fall over dead. Boom, he's gone. Wow. So he's drinking in a casino with a man that probably might not have liked him so much because he was a direct competitor as a gambling casino owner, as someone building a huge hotel, someone himself playing around with stack fraud and all that other good stuff, dies as a heart attack. Boom. Well, I don't know, because we'll never know. Because most interesting, no autopsy was ever committed. It was basically put in a train the next day and sent back to California to be buried by his family. More interesting than that, and all the money that people thought he had, after all, the Stardust was going to be a huge hotel with all kinds of great things going on for it, right? He was found to have less than $100 worth of money on him. And at all capital he had, only people could find $100. Wow. Now, many people, rumor has it, think that, that Mo didn't want to have competition, but they definitely saw Tony the hat as competition. So maybe the mix of that special drink that sent him on his way. I do think that he's a very fascinating individual, Tony is. And the interesting thing, too, about him is there would be a TV show made about his life called Mr. Lucky. 
It's a fictional account of a gambler in the Caribbean doing interesting, funny things. It's a great show. You can find it on Amazon. It's well worth your time to watch. It's very, very entertaining. I highly recommend it. And that, in a nutshell, is our good friend, Tony the Hat. You know, you want to talk about great things to get at Amazon. You can also get the book, The Life and Times of Frank Ballesteri, written by Mr. Big. Thank you. We'll see you again next week. Well, next week, Mr. Big will be back with more. Just a reminder, don't forget to follow Sports Rock and Tours, which follows this show on most of these stations. You can also visit Sports R-A-C-X wherever you listen to podcasts. You're listening to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi nationwide on the Talk Media Network. This is Justin Shando, the 2010 Ultimate Elvis Tribute Artist. You're listening to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi. You're listening to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi. You are listening to Vegas Never Sleeps. I'm Stephen Maggi, and we are chatting with David Tatlock of the Soul Juice Band, which combines five horns, a B3 Hammond organ, heavy guitar riffs, and a gritty, soulful singer, and creating a unique, dynamic fusion. I got the funk. get a little taste of like you know you said southern rock and stuff you do have a little bit of that which i think makes it interesting too it's kind of fun to take some of that music that we all like and kind of funkifies it a bit yeah like the the song getting better with time that's like the real southerny rock type of real rusty rock like almond brothers type feel song and that was the first song we ever wrote actually and uh, and then a guy named uh uh brother joel here in vegas plays slide guitar a uh, pedal steel we put him on that and that just took it to a whole nother level down that lane but that's the one song that's kind of really kind of brings out that rootsy rocky southern rock robert randolph type feel you know on one of our songs so well, I'm kind of curious. Now, you got a big group. I mean, there's all sorts of people, all coming from different backgrounds and so forth. How does that all work together as a, as a team? You know, you said you're a songwriting group, but you got a lot of input there. Is it one of those things where everybody participates or know some just say, hey, you run with that, we'll play? Or how does that work? Yeah, the songwriting really happened from three three of the guys that started the band. That's me. The, our first guitar player, a guy named Craig Morgan, and then the keyboard player named David Rogers, we would get together and write songs, you know, and I I do mainly lyrics or I do riffs and stuff. Craig was really good at coming up with a lot of different riffs and song ideas, but David Rogers, he finishes the song. <laughs> he We just call him the finisher. Like, you can bring any incomplete idea to him and his his ability to put new chords or new voicings and he's very, he's very ADHD when it comes to music. So if it stays too simple, he gets bored. So that's why you'll hear so many of these little changes of transitions and things. You know, the music is very busy. There's a lot going on in it. And that's really his, 
you know, his thumbprint on the music, he's going to add a lot of stuff that maybe the average person wouldn't put in a song. Yeah. <laughs> or make the transition change in a way that you weren't sure. Now, he grew up in, you know, the black church in Chicago, so he played organ and drums and bass, and so he's going to have that black gospel flair with a lot of stuff, a lot of changes, you know, jazz. He loves, he actually loves R&B music, you know, that's, He's a producer and an engineer, and he does a lot of R&B stuff, too. But all that flavor in the song, really, he's really the guy that's adding all the spice and the flavor to a lot of those songs. Now, the other guys, we always invited them. We said, hey, if you got an idea, come to the songwriting sessions, and you'll be one of the songwriters. But a lot of times, those guys are like, eh, I don't really have an idea, or just let us know. And then Isaac Tubb, one of the trumpet players, if we finish a song idea and have the rhythm section kind of pretty much uh, completed, then we'll ask him, hey, what do you want to do with horns on this? And so, like, the song Something from Something, we were going to throw that song out. Like, after we did the rhythm section, it was like, man, this song's just not strong enough to make it. But we gave it to him, and he put the horn parts on it, and now it's like Dave Rogers, that's his favorite song on the whole album because the horn parts, just made the song work so much better. We usually have Isaac, Dave writes horn parts too for some of the songs. Um, but it's really kind of three people that wrote this album for the most part. Well, I was going to ask you about the horn part because I know you must envision that the three of you sit there and you kind of get an idea how is it, how it's going to sound, but it's so intricate. Is it something where you let the guys play it and then you kind of develop, oh, I like this? I mean, is it exactly the way you write it or does it kind of develop and evolve over uh, over the process? Usually with the songs we've done, we have written the parts. Dave and Isaac are strong enough at writing horn parts and the instrumentation that they can kind of hear in their head what they want and they can make it work on paper. Now, as we play it live, so one thing that's kind of unique about our band is we've done so many live shows compared to how much music we've released. Back with David Tatlock of the Soul Juice Band in just a moment. Time now to make your picks for this weekend's top NFL games, and that means it's time to bring in longtime football executive Upton Bell. Time now for Upton's Picks. That's right, Upton Bell comes in every week to pick the top games of the NFL and help you make your selections as you get ready for the upcoming weekend. Well, Upton is certainly around and fired up about this weekend's action, but unfortunately he had dental surgery and the dentist has told him for a week he better not say anything out loud and talk much, and that's really hard for Upton, you can imagine. With that in mind, though, he did send his picks for the week, and I'm going to pass them on to you, and he wants me to also remind you that he will definitely be back next weekend with more picks. But for this weekend, he's going to look at three games in particular, and let's talk about the one that really is a strange one, and that is Green Bay at Kansas City. Now, you look at that, and Green Bay was a one-point underdog because the game was in Kansas City, but you would think that the Packers had a pretty good chance of beating the Chiefs. That's until we just found out that Aaron Rodgers has tested positive for COVID and won't play this week. Well, that changes things big, especially if you're looking at the point spread. So if you got in early, uh, well, you did okay. But if not, the point spread is going to change a lot as I think the Chiefs become a bigger favorite. I asked Upton what he thought, and he goes, well, yeah, of course now Kansas City is favorite. He goes, but that said... 
don't think that it's going to be an easy win for the Chiefs. He feels the Chiefs are really struggling, especially on defense. And Upton believes that right now, anyway, despite having one of the very best quarterbacks in all football, they're actually kind of a mediocre NFL team. So he said, you know, it might be a place if the odds go up too high where maybe you take the Packers in an underdog role. But he'll pick the Chiefs overall for just winning straight up. Second game, and it's a good one, is Arizona Cardinals versus the San Francisco 49ers in Santa Clara, California, where the 49ers make home. 49ers are a slight one-point favorite, but Upton Bell comes back and says, forget all that. Arizona is a much better team than San Francisco, and San Francisco did defeat Chicago, another mediocre team in Chicago, but not by much, and he feels as though Arizona is really the superior team here. So it'll be an interesting game. Real important for the 49ers because if they don't find a way to beat Arizona, that divisional race may be over, at least as far as they're concerned. The Rams are certainly in it with their big pickup they made on the defensive line from Denver. Final game involves the Las Vegas Raiders. They're heading out to New York to play the New York Giants. Now, historically, the Raiders are a lousy team in the East Coast. They just have been... Really, since the days when they were a great team back in the 70s and 80s. But ever since, they really struggle when they have an East Coast visit. This year seems different. They seem better prepared for that. And in fact, they were looking at one, one of the best teams in the entire AFC. But then the thing happens with Henry Ruggs who killed a person under the influence. He's now been released by the Raiders. He was their number one receiver and really their biggest weapon on offense. Outside, of course, the quarterback, Derek Carr. So the question becomes, can they recover from this? Now, they did a great job recovering from the entire John Gruden thing when everybody left them for dead. The last couple of weeks have looked really strong. Can they overcome this? Upton thinks they can, although he says the Giants are better than what you think. For a number of weeks, people were thinking the Giants were another mediocre team in the NFL, but they have looked up, they've been played better, and they're in at home in New York. So he says it's a game that could go either way, but he's going to pick the Raiders because he thinks they can overcome this. The interesting thing will be how they replace Ruggs. We will see you next week again with Upton Bell. He'll be back with his NFL Picks of the Week. Speaking of sports, make sure to listen to Sports Rockin' Tours, which follows this show in most markets. You can also go to Sports R-A-C-X wherever you listen to podcasts. That's Sports R-A-C-X. You're listening to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi, coast to coast on the Talk Media Network. What if every dollar you invested into your training program turned into $30 of revenue? What if your learning program was so engaging that your employees looked forward to annual trainings? And what if you could monitor the success and effectiveness of your curriculum with quantifiable metrics? Go to training.epsilonxr.com. E-learning has made each of these scenarios possible, utilizing tools such as virtual and augmented reality, simulations, and online instructor-led training provides a safe environment for employees to learn at their own pace. Go to training.epsilonxr.com. Here at Epsilon XR, we have 50 years of experience in creating powerful and effective training programs. We combine proven training methods with cutting-edge technology to create immersive training experiences. Are you ready to take your training program to the next level? 
Go to training.epsilonxr.com. Training.epsilonxr.com. Welcome back to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi. Welcome back to Vegas Never Sleeps. We're talking with David Tantlock, the lead singer of the Soul Juice Band. It's a melanin. It's a human. The color of our skin. We all just brown. The color that we see. Our humanity. Connecting you and me. We all just brown. Every time people see us live, they say the same thing. Oh, I've seen videos and I've heard some of your music, but I had no idea that it was this. Because our show is a big show live. It's a big showroom music festival stage show. I dance, you know, like I grew up listening to James Brown and Prince. And and that's one thing a lot of guys don't dance while they sing like those guys did. And that's something that I do. So there's and our horn players dance. There's. You know, we have a fun time, we have a good time, we have jokes, we have just different things we do live that you won't hear on any album or, or any video. The pandemic was really destructive because we were on a roll. We had just played a music festival and been uh, one of the main uh, artists with Fishbone over at Zion Canyon. And that's really, that's really our greatest desire is to get on these festival stages, you know, Newport Jazz Festival, Coachella, all these things where we can really just play and interact with a large crowd. We're kind of a large crowd band, so it was really, it's been really hard. We haven't, we've probably only done three or four shows since the pandemic started live, and it has been difficult. It's oh, like, yeah. it's, that's kind of our lifeblood is doing those live shows. So and we focused on just getting the music ready to release and, and those kind of things. And we have an online store now and a better website and you know, so we're trying we're trying to get that stuff together. But as an indie artist, you know, I work a day, I work a day gig. A lot of our other guys work a day gig, so we don't have a lot of extra time. But we're you know we're trying to get all that stuff together too. But yeah, we really miss oh yeah doing a lot of live performing. Just a matter of people knowing knowing what you do, and uh, it's got to go, I guess, really through word of mouth. We're gonna have to be primarily organic, word of mouth. People have to tell their friends about us. You know. Some of the best bands I I listen to now, you know, my daughter said, "Hey, Dad, check this out on Spotify." And like a band like Wolfpack or James Blake or different music that I love, it was just somebody saying, "Hey, you ought to listen to them. You would like them probably." And I just check it out and listen to it. So hopefully that's what all will happen to our music. But I think there's quite a you know there's more than one song on this album that I think it could be on the radio with the right situation or with the right DJ that wants to give it a shot. And I think people would resonate with the music, but you know, you got to get an opportunity. Well, and they're hearing it today. I want to know though, tell people what's out there right now. You got a couple of singles, how they can get it and so forth. And then we'll talk about the album next for next year. Yeah. Um, depending on when this airs first single off the album's already been released. It's called brand new day. And it's probably the, the song that gives you most, the, the best idea of who we are as an as a band but we are really hard to describe to people i don't know how to describe us really because as you listen to this whole album i think you start to understand this is a big work of art there's a lot going on here and it's not just you can't just target us into one specific genre 
So the second single that's going to come out November 12th is a song that we wrote specifically for women, and it's called Still Beautiful to Me. I raised daughters, and I was a high school teacher and coached sports with young ladies, and, and I often saw how frequently they feel pressure to meet a certain external beauty standard that's imposed on them by the world or by the, the models they see or the images they see. The song is really a story. It's kind of a story of uh, a young couple that get together and then the times in life that the woman feels like that she feels ugly or she feels like she's not enough or she feels insufficient or insecure. The, the man that's with her keeps saying, baby, can't you see? You're still beautiful to me. Like, don't worry about it. That's not, I'm not with you because you've got it externally perfect. I'm with you because of who you are. We're going to release a third single to early December. And then after the holiday, we're going to let people do the holidays and do their thing. And then we'll release the full album probably the second week of January. We'll have CDs available and we're going to, we're going to try to make 200 vinyls of the, of the record. I mean, I've got to have a vinyl just for myself. I, I like, I got to have this album on vinyl, you know, oh, yeah. cause you grew up, you know, you saw vinyl records, you spent, you know, three hours listening to the music, reading the, <laughs> you know, reading the lyrics, looking at the pictures. And, you know, I remember that. So, and so. the music's made for vinyl, like we, like we were talking about before. Well, here's what we're going to do. You're going to let us know uh, in December, and we'll let people know what the next single is. And then we'll have you back uh, right in January so people can talk a little about just the album, and we're going to have them uh, be able to get a hold of it. Maybe, maybe you can sign a couple for us. We'll give away. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, that would be great. Well, David, uh, we're really excited about this. It's the Soul Juice Band. Uh, and if you want to go online, it's easy enough to follow, right? Your website is? Yeah, it's it's www.souljuiceband. So it's like Apple Juice, J-U-I-C-E, souljuiceband.com, all, all together. You know, they can follow us on Instagram, Facebook. Um, we're on Twitter some. It's not a big platform for us. But, um, but yeah, we have a store on the website, so we've got a bunch of merch. We've got T-shirts and sweatshirts and hoodies and hats and all that kind of stuff. And then we, we're on YouTube, too. It's time once again to chat with your Vegas insider, Scott Robin of VitalVegas.com. Vegas always seems to be a place featured on TV and in the movies. Do they get it right? Well, let's ask Scott. TV and movies. I wanted to talk to you a little about that. What's your take as somebody who lives here, knows this place inside and out? Do the TVs and movies really do justice to the city? Or do you think they blow it out of proportion? Or what's your take? You think they're disrespectful? I'm curious. Entertainment, uh, like anything, I think it's a mix. Uh, certain TV shows and movies, uh, I, they just really get it so wrong. It's, it's a very superficial understanding of the city, and they might get some of the glitz right, but they don't, they, you know, it's always funny to watch these shows because the, the people gambling, if you get a close-up of the table, it's chaos. There, it's, it's like nothing that would ever exist in the real world. So I think a movie like Casino, that was based on a, on a true story. It got a lot of things factually correct, and you can tell when 
more time and research has gone into in, into a production. But a lot of them are just kind of, they have a very superficial understanding of the city. They know maybe one or two things about it. And they'll watch, you know, some movie like Hangover is kind of like, it's this mixture of, it's just, it's lawless and it's just, it's so wild. But, but ultimately, the ones that get it right are, are they typically are less fun, less interesting because they, they tap into the reality of, you know, this, this is a business, a casino is a business. You're not going to get away with all the stuff that you can get away with in a movie or TV show. I love the comedies, but I like uh, kind of the mob era movies because that obviously is long gone in Las Vegas, but it's fun to see kind of that's how Vegas formed and and the more you learn about it the more you see it's kind of like holy cow it really was this kind of strange surreal bizarro reality where the mob was they were getting you know kind of these illegal loans and doing illegal things but the average customer best time in Vegas you know the booze was flowing and there were showgirls around like the showgirls would come out of the show and the mob the mob run casinos would have these showgirls like they would tell them mingle with the clients, so that's a good time for all. Uh, but yeah, for the most part, these there's it's so funny because even the, in that recent Born movie, you would you'll see them drive. You know the chase is happening. They hit valleys and then they drive into the front of Riviera. Riviera. Well, it's not physically possible to go from valleys to Riviera. There's a long stretch of road in between. So a lot of the editing is very interesting, and a lot of them just get the facts completely wrong. Thanks, Scott. Don't forget to visit Scott's site, VitalVegas.com. It's really a great site. You don't want to miss it. And coming up next is Sports Rockin' Tours. If your local station doesn't carry it, go ahead and visit Sports R-A-C-X wherever you listen to podcasts. That's Sports R-A-C-X. It's short for Sports Rockin' Tours. Have you been Portnoy yet? Well, you should be. What does that actually mean, Neil Portnoy? You send me a photograph and I do a realistic cartoon caricature. Realistic looks just like you, and then I cartoon the body. How do we get information we want to get Portnoy? Uh, you can call the gallery at 702-685-2929 or on social media, Facebook, Portnoy Gallery, artist Neil Portnoy, Neil Portnoy, idroppeople.com, and probably about six other places that at my age memory is the second thing that goes. And please follow both Vegas Never Sleeps and Sports Rockin' Tours on all social media platforms, including Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Thanks for listening today. This is Stephen Manchie reminding you, Vegas Never Sleeps. Vegas, here we go!